This episode sponsored by Vistage. With more than 20,000 members, it's where CEOs go to grow their companies and themselves. Learn more at Vistage.com. Welcome to the Grow My Revenue Business Cast with Ian Altman. Unconventional strategies for selling, innovation, and leadership. Ian interviews some of the brightest minds who share proven methods to help you achieve success and grow revenue with integrity. Every episode concludes with a quick recap of actionable steps you can take to deliver tangible, immediate results for your business. Now, here's your host, Ian Altman. Hey, it's Ian Altman. On this episode of the Grow My Revenue Business Cast, I'm joined by John Crin. John is the chef and founder of Clarity Restaurant, one of the fastest growing, best reviewed restaurants in the Washington, D.C. area. We'll talk about how John introduced risky innovation that's really paying off and is changing the landscape in the restaurant business. We'll talk about how he builds a culture with fully engaged employees. I'll ask him why location might not be the most important factor for a restaurant. Finally, we're going to get into how to embrace innovation and how to avoid getting stuck in the status quo for any business. This is way beyond restaurants, folks. Here's my interview with John Crin. So, John, welcome to the program. Thanks so much, Ian. So, you've got this restaurant that really is just, like, out of control. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, like, it's the place everyone wants to eat at. It's a tough place for people to get into. Everyone who goes there starts posting on social media how amazing their experience is, how incredible it is. It feels like they're eating in someone's house, like in terms of the atmosphere or the feeling that you give people. It's just a warm environment. And I know that the road getting there wasn't necessarily easy. So can you, can you share with us a little bit about your journey that got you here today? Uh, absolutely. Um, so I trained uh, for about 12 years uh, at a culinary school in uh, France, New York, and Washington, D.C., and uh, uh, worked with some of the best chefs in the world. So after that, I was uh, lucky enough, that was 2010, and I was lucky enough to get a job at uh, Booz Allen Hamilton uh, in innovation marketing, which is completely non-food related, um, but was an absolutely unique opportunity to gain a very, very different perspective on business in general, not just restaurants. I've been there five years, uh, still there, and then I opened up uh, Clarity, which is uh, what I call a culinary hangout or a creative bistro. It's really a a bistro with a portfolio. Um, My goal in about 3,000 square feet, I wanted to put in as many what I call centers of excellence into that space, meaning how many ways can you enjoy uh, the food and the you know and the drink uh, and the people of Clarity in that small space and that's why I have dining room bar communal table private dining room uh, counter and patio yeah and uh, it's very diversified and that's one of those things I learned you know in the years yeah I mean uh, it's, it's very eclectic so so how did you take this innovation marketing and merge that into the restaurant business. Because one of the things I want listeners to kind of get a sense of is I want them to see beyond the restaurant. Because when I sat in your restaurant, I thought, man, there's so many things I want to talk to you about. But I saw things like, okay, he's got a fully engaged team. His team is almost as passionate about this as he is. His people genuinely care about everybody walking in the door. So... How did you take what you learned from the innovation side and apply it to the business to create that culture so quickly? Well, 
if we're talking, we're talking about the kitchen, for example, open kitchen versus closed kitchen. To me, that's mar- marketing 101, right? Yep. If you don't show them, then no one's going to see it and no one's going to buy it. Yeah. So what are they buying? They're buying a relationship. You know, part of a restaurant, part of the money you pay in a restaurant is for the relationship you, you develop or enhance with the people that work there, yeah. right? Um, there's actually a lot of happy people in kitchens. The problem is there's a wall between them and the guest. Yeah. You might see the chef once in a while or never see the chef, but actually there's a lot of happy people. So to me, I was like, raise up the curtains and do an open kitchen. And I think that transparency in any business is what creates that level of trust and comfort and helps people better connect to your business or your brand. My restaurant is, I, I named the restaurant Clarity for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> it's not only, it's, it's visual, yeah. but that visual also brings in a lot of uh, emotional uh, advantages, right? My people are happy. Yes, I treat them well. Yes, they're passionate. But there are other chefs that actually treat people treat their people well. I I choose to sort of force the engagement with between my my guests and my staff, and I think it, it just helps everybody. We're happy. They're happy. They get to see us. I think I think it's a, a great market. Well, well, now one of the, one of the interesting things that my wife and I noticed. We came in, we sat at the counter, which overlooks the kitchen, inches or feet away from, from you in the kitchen. And one of the things we started keeping track of was how many times you gave people on your team positive reinforcement. How many times you said, hey, beautiful work. Hey, great job. I mean, over and over. And let's face it, when people see programs, see chefs on TV, that doesn't always happen. Well, I got to be honest. I used to be the others the other way. Really? So tell tell me about that. I mean, I was trained to be a pit bull. Yeah. I, I mean, quite honestly, the guys I worked with. I mean, you, you literally transformed from what you were to, um, you know, just something very different. You're very, look, you're highly focused on perfection. Yeah. Um, but you don't necessarily have the management skills, um, and I think that's where in any in any job, you know. Sure. Um, so so let me let me ask you this. So in the past, you may have been one of those kind of caustic, in-your-face type stereotypical chefs. What have you seen in the shift? I'm very transparent. Yeah. They, uh, I just saw a, a video actually yesterday uh, with Mark Zuckerberg, and he was giving a tour of the new Facebook offices. The new Facebook offices are completely open. And the way he described it, he just toured everyone around, and he said it promotes collaboration, it facilitates relationships, positive attitude. He doesn't have, he just has a desk like everybody else. I literally was going to email him and be like, that's exactly what clarity is. Yeah. Because the more transparent you are as a leader and the more vulnerable, I've always talked about with my staff forever, even when, you know, back in, back in the beginning, uh, about vulnerability. I think vulnerable leaders make fantastic leaders because that means you have the confidence to show that you're not always right. Yep. Um, and that you're not Teflon, uh, and that you have problems too. And I want everyone to see how I run this business. And I sit right in the middle at the counter, and I do my work. And then, I, and I'm in the kitchen, out of the kitchen, around I, with the front of the house, the back of the house. And I have a high percentage of people that came in to work with me now who want to own restaurants. Yeah. And I said, you have to know everything, and I'm going to teach you everything. And clarity is about that. What is what do people say? It's like a booze alley. You say, "Well, I need clarity on this issue, and clarity on that issue." Yeah. Clarity always means the same thing across all landscapes. It means I want focus and I want solutions. That's what clarity is. 
Yeah, and, and from a culinary standpoint, from a dining perspective, that's what you want. You want everyone there to have a clear mission as to what it is they're delivering for your guests. You want the guests to know what they're going to be experiencing and being able to create that balance. When I had the vision to open Clarity, I said to myself, I am going to do it my way. I'm going to actually cross some lines that I feel no one's ever crossed and use when I present a problem to my team, I'm going to embrace innovative solutions. So, so give, me, give me some examples of that. There are many things that you've done that are unconventional, that have proven to be highly successful. So talk about a few of those. My servers are all equipped with iPads. Yep. As I know it, I'm the first, I'm the first full service, high level restaurant to initiate full iPad service around taking orders. Yep. Okay. There is an interesting dynamic between the guest and the server when that happens, but my thought is that with the iPads, you can overlap tasks. Okay. For example, I can stand there and take a drink order from you and then punch it in the iPad instead of leaving the table and saying, I'll be right back, I have to go punch a drink order in. Yeah. The bartender's always ma- already making the drinks, and I'm talking to you about appetizers. The, customer, the guest is actually relaxed because the drinks are already being made, and I think they'll, they're more apt to buy more food yep. because of the overlapping of tasks. The drinks actually can arrive when the server's still standing there talking about the menu, right? Yep. Obviously, for, for an income, income standpoint, they're going to finish the drink faster. They're probably going to order another round. Sure. So the overlapping of tasks to drive income was the first, the first innovation. Yep. Okay? Now, in the beginning, since, you know, it was hard. You know, the servers, they had a learning curve, sure. right? I had Absolutely. a learning curve. The guests had a learning curve, but it's working. Well, and, and I think also what happens is this, because having, having been in your restaurant, I never feel like anyone's, quote, upselling me or trying to sell something else. Instead, it's all about how can they enrich the experience. So if you think about it, it's not like guests come in and they don't want an additional drink. They don't want to experience more than menu. I think more often what happens, people come into a restaurant or any business, and it's like, man, it was such a hassle to get the first thing that I really don't want to get something else because it's a hassle to get there. I I, I couldn't agree more. I wanted people to come in and say, hey, John's John's thinking. He's thinking like a real business. People appreciate that. This is an upscale community. These people are successful in their own businesses, and they recognize good business thoughts and processes in the places that they frequent, for example, a restaurant. Yeah. So people really appreciate it right off the bat. My thing, my my, uh, uh, you know, personal issue was to be to walk the plank and utilize those innovations, oh, yeah. right? Because you walk in and someone says, "Well, gee, this person's using an iPad. It's not very personal." Right. Instead, and 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 what happens is, while the servers explain the appetizer and the drinks arrive, they go, "Oh, that's pretty cool." And then what 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 could have been perceived as a negative is a positive. I think a lot of businesses resist doing things because they're afraid of how their customers or guests will respond without ever trying it. And obviously, you just said, well, look, here's the way we're going to do it. And it's going to create a better experience for the guest. It's going to make us a more successful restaurant, which is better for us and the guests. So we're doing it. Another one, this this is a big one, and it's all about bucking tradition, right? Especially in restaurants where hospitality equals personal contact. Yeah. Okay. And this was a big one for me, uh, but I, I also walked the plank on this. There's a, a, an age-old 
um, situation that restaurants have uh, that I attacked um, fairly aggressively. Which is? Which is, um, you have two ways to get business into a restaurant these days, and that's it. Yeah. Okay, you don't work virtually. This is a brick and mortar, right? Sure. People are coming in. How they come in, they either make a reservation on the website or they call the host in, period. Yep. Okay, so where most businesses have a business development team, a sales team, and a marketing team, a restaurant, <laughs> that's all one group of people. Well, that group of people is are young hostesses, you know, 18 to 21-year-old, you know, girls and guys, and they are the single point of failure for every single income request into your business. Yeah, it's an interesting way to look at it. I mean, it's that's your that's your sales arm, with the exception of private events and people coming for a private party. And even then, oftentimes they're calling in and speaking to the, Our, the, the lowest paid, least experienced, correct. likely most apathetic person. And most multitasking because yeah. the hosts are right out in the middle of the restaurant. They're on the phone. They have they are they have to answer multiple phone lines. They have to attend to guests in the in their face. Right, in-house guests, and they have to multitask those 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 two tasks. So, which so, just don't go so let, me, let me ask you for the for the benefit of our listeners: a typical 150 seat restaurant, how many people do they have just answering phones and taking dealing with reservations? You'd have to have four. You'd have to have four hostesses on the floor and two reservationists up in an office to okay. to multitask the in-house guests plus answering all the phones. Yep. And when you answer the phone, you are at the mercy of whatever that guest wants to talk about and however long they want to sure. talk. And, and, and let me ask you this. So, so if you've got those six people, and, and I want to talk about how you've transformed this, because I will tell you, when I first saw it, I'm like, really? And, and I was a bit taken aback for about 30 seconds until I went through the experience. So I want you to share with our listeners what that is. But... How much labor, when you factor in those four hostesses and the two people in the office, and considering that most restaurants are open at least six, if not seven days a week, how many hours of labor a week is your typical restaurant burning in that labor? Well, I'll just put it simply. It can uh, bump your labor percentage up five to six percent, which in a business where the profit margins are slim because it's such a perishable dynamic product, that's a huge difference. Yeah. So how have, how have you transformed that? And obviously I experienced it, and the first time I was like, wow, this is kind of unusual, and the second time I came in, I didn't even think twice about it. I was like, wow, this is awesome. But talk about what you did and what your fears were and how it's working out. Well, it's, so the first thing I did was decide to change, to shift, rather, the line of demarcation of personal service in a restaurant from when you get on the phone to when you enter the restaurant. Simply put, I instituted a, a customized phone tree. So when you call in, you get a phone tree just like any other business. Press one, press two, yep. press three, press four. Okay. Yep. You're prompted to leave a message for whatever you want, whatever you're asking for. That message through the technology I implemented turns your voicemail into a text yep. and cues those reserva- those requests up on my iPad at the host stand. Yep. So instead of answering the phones, and that's 90% cell phones, 10% landlines, which you have to call actually call back traditional style, yep. 
But my hostesses, instead of answering the phones, they text back, which is the preferred mode of method of communication yep. for everyone these days on the planet. It, it enables them to give their full attention to the in-house guests in their face, right? While they are texting back all the information requests, right? So your so your host end, in essence, you can make it so that somebody calls in from their cell phone, yeah, and they say, "Gee, I'd like a reservation on Friday night." Um, and, and if I recall correctly, your instructions say, "Look, give us give us a window of time that works for you." So you're yeah. not even saying, "Give us an exact time," because normally someone calls up and says. Oh gee, here's a, here's a shocker. I want to come in at seven thirty on Saturday night, yeah. like everyone in the free world. Yeah. And the problem is that you can't see the free world at that exact time. So instead, people say, "Well, gee, I'd love to come in anywhere between six forty-five and eight o'clock." All the communications that happen on the phone that take yeah. up so much time and labor and complicate the work of the host because they can't they can't attend to the the guests in their in in the house. Yep. That's all been eliminated. We are we are maxing reservations and maxing people actually in the seats, not necessarily just taking up tables. Because if you have 70 seats in a restaurant, you could fill the tables but not fill 70 seats. Yep. We are able we are able to, because of this queue up of these requests, it's not the first call, first serve. It's actually it's actually the reservations that drive our business most efficiently. Yeah. So you look and you say, okay, if I have if I have a four top, I can seat two people at it, and then I've got two people in those seats, or I can seat four people. So guess what? I want to make sure that I'm filling up the seats because, uh, to your point, you could have 30 tables that have two people at it and serving 60 guests, or you could have 30 tables that have four people and serving 120 guests in the same with the same finite resource, same payroll, same hard costs. Yeah. You, if you don't do, if you do it the traditional way, and I believe that all restaurants have this issue, you are actually minimizing the amount of income that you can you can bring in. No other business does that. Yep. Now let me ask you this because I think this is an important part because I don't want people to think, oh, this is all about just driving the income. Because you're able to save on the labor, because you're able to improve the efficiency of scheduling, what else does that allow you to do in your business? Like, where 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 did you shift that that resource? It goes straight to the it goes straight to the guest experience because I can buy better product. So it's better product. Um, I know that you also have probably a little bit more proficient labor in your kitchen than your typical. Your typical staff, your typical restaurant. These, does. the the, I can buy better fish, meat, vegetables. Do more dynamic menu, have better retention rate of staff because I can use that money to incentivize and give raises. Yep. Retention in restaurants is a brutal process. Yep. Um, it is a transient business at best. It is. It's not like a Fortune 500 company where, where sort of everyone makes pretty decent living and then they've incentivized above that. This is, you, people cook and, and, and are in hospitality because they love it. Yeah. Um, I've actually, the, these innovations are actually uh, giving me the resources to help them love it more and, and make a better living. Yeah, and so let me ask you this because when I look at your, when I look at your team, when I come into, when I come into your restaurant, there isn't a single person that I pass coming in or going out 
who doesn't either greet you coming in or wish you well on the way out. Yeah. And it's clear that that's not accidental. That's very intentional. How, how, what have you done to create that culture that just makes that happen? Because it's not like, what I will tell you is it doesn't feel like, oh, I'm telling this person to have a good night because I was told to do that. But how do you create that culture where people actually care? Well, I think that's that's uh, part of the transparency of clarity. I mean, they know. First of all, I mean, it it is uh, it is a policy to say hi to everyone and bye to everyone and not walk past anyone without without greeting them, uh, no matter at, at whatever point you are in the experience, and walk them out. Um, but I, you can't. It's not going to be genuine unless your employees are happy. Yep. And so the so more. What, so what's, can, what's your what's your key to making those employees happy? Because let me tell you something. I think that's something that people are going to listen and say, "Oh yeah, I know my happy employees. Happy employees do better, but half my employees are happy, and half of them are just like, you know, happy they have a job, but not happy to be there. So how how did you create this environment of like the Stepford Wives where everybody's got the right attitude? Well, like like, I think like any other good business, I create a culture. Yep. Um, I have I, I restate and restate the vision of clarity. So and it's and it is something where if you're not 100 percent into it, you, it's going to be it's it's going to be uh, not as fulfilling for you. Um, I re I restate and restate the vision of clarity, but, and I also take care of my employees so they know I take care of them first. Yeah. Um, my employees know that I'm doing everything I can to make their life uh, more fulfilling, and that's the only reason I would ask them to do what they do um, in regards to the experience to, uh, with our guests. And and then it's really it's really genuine. Yeah. And and it seems like your team, as hard as they're working, that there's some laughter. People are having a good time. I mean, they take it seriously, but. There's also a little bit of a playfulness. How do you strike that balance? Well, it's interesting. I tell, I tell my, when I hire someone, I say there's, there's really only two things that I need from you. One is a smile, and two are your ideas. And I think that's a big difference. A lot of people that work for me say, I have never had a chef or a restaurant owner ask me for my thoughts. Yeah. But I've been in the business a pretty good amount of time, or I haven't, yep. and I have a new perspective. But I have ideas, and I tell them, I said, we're all equal. No one's any smarter than, than anybody else. So you have to bring your ideas. And the collaboration is a huge part of clarity, and I think it's a huge part of business and a successful business in general. I don't want them to look, me, look to me for every answer. I actually invite them for brainstorming sessions, mandatory brainstorming sessions, and I want their thoughts and ideas. And I think people feel very fulfilled by that, too. And that makes them genuinely happy, which, again, they transfer that to the guest. Yeah. I remember when, when I was there, I asked one of your culinary team, I said, hey, listen, you have a straw so I can just drink this broth? And he starts <laughs> laughing. He goes, yeah, it's pretty good, isn't it? Right? But it's like, you know, they take pride in what they do. And I think that's something that every business strives for is that their employees take pride in what they deliver and really care about it. They aren't just going through the motions. And that's something clearly that, that you've been able to do. Well, normally, and in restaurants, it's like that. Like when you get a review or you get something like that. It's normally, it's only the top guys who get mentioned. Yeah. So credit is very hard to come by for everybody else. And I want to game change that also. And I obviously, 
I, I'm not doing this alone. You have a yep. huge team. Well, if everything's open and transparent, then everyone sees the team that's doing the work. And they actually collaborate and communicate with that team. I'm not the only person that oh, yeah. you talk to that night. Absolutely. Right? And I, I encourage and demand that my team get involved with, the get, with our guests and make genuine friendships. Oh, yeah, I, I remember we we had, we had just mentioned kind of in passing. Oh yeah, you know I'm going to try and come in next week for our anniversary, and then we're at dessert and it came out and it was like you know the plate was all decorated. Happy anniversary. Well, when we came in that night, we didn't mention it, right? right? But it was okay. Gee, they mentioned this a week ago, and someone took the time to make sure it was set up so that when it happened, it was like a memorable experience. Now, if, if you look back to the different challenges that you faced in your career, because like you said, you, you, you had started a restaurant when the economy had tanked, um, I mean, different things. What's the biggest challenge that you faced that you look at as like a key business lesson that's helped you gain success in your current business? Well, I think uh, uh, number one is at least for me, location is very important, but concept to me is exponentially more important. If, you're, if you can align the, your concept and your creative desires or needs yep. with a broad market, then you have a very good chance at success. Yeah. And you're talking pricing and product. Well, and I, I got to believe... The space you're in now is a small fraction of what the space cost in your prior in your prior location, in, in the prior restaurant, yeah. and it's wildly successful. Yeah, and but there's always there's always an issue with space. Like right now, I'm probably too small. Yeah, and you could say that's a problem too, right? So aligning aligning the vision with your market, with the price point, with with uh, with your creative and business needs and your market's creative business needs, there's a size of real estate in there. And you just have to take your best guess, but obviously be smart about it. I mean, a larger restaurant is not a bad thing, but your concept better align and yeah. your market better align. The other, the, the, the other thing that, that, that's very important to me is to trust your product. When, when I look to walk the plank and, and institute innovative solutions, the first thing I have to do is, is trust my product. Because especially in hospitality, you're always like, well, if the guest has, if any of the guests have an adverse reaction to what I'm doing, I have to change it because that's going to affect my business. And, and I, I, I don't believe that. I, I say that I'm, I'm instituting, I'm, I'm a smart person, I'm instituting innovative solution here that is ultimately going to result in a better experience for you, the guest. So there's a certain market share that's going to, you know, uh, react adversely in the beginning. And some will actually say, look, I just don't like it. Yeah. But that's okay, that's okay because yeah. I'm still going to move through and do it. And I will personally tell you why, and you're going to understand. And I've had to do that uh, more than a few times, but people then fell in line. And then there's another market share, the bigger market share, because you're instituting a smart solution that say, you know what? Why didn't someone do this before? Yeah. And so that, you know what, that's a, that's a great message for us to kind of wrap on, which is this idea that I think a lot of businesses get scared at how their clients would react, even if you're doing things that are in their best interest. And I think the notion of coming up with innovation that's actually better for your business, better for the industry and better for the, for the client and help them understand that is key. So it's easy to say, oh, people have always done it this other way. 
which may be just as good of a reason to not do it that way. Couple things. Number one is the decision maker has to listen to people around them and be willing to walk the plank yeah. because there are great, great ideas abound. Um, and if you squelch them or say that, well, it's always done. I don't like when someone says, well, it's always done, been done like this. There would be no innovation in the world if everyone thought like that. Sure. So I, uh, I, 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 trust, I trust my staff, I trust my ideas, and I trust that I am, I am creating a better experience for my guests when I embrace innovative solutions. Awesome. So, John, thanks for hanging with us. Thanks for sharing your wisdom with other people. And I think with the exception of the four people who were going to think that this concept is all limited to restaurants, <laughs> people got a ton of value out of today. So thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Hopefully you can see how the innovation that John applied to his restaurant can apply to any business. Let me give you a quick 30-second recap of the things that I think are the most impactful that you can put to work right away. First, restate your vision and mission with your team constantly. Don't rely on the fact that they've heard it once. They really need to internalize it. Second, don't abandon a good idea just because one or two people or clients whine about it. Trust your ideas and your team. And finally, clearly, if something in your industry is broken, you can either accept it or do what John did and introduce innovation that makes it better for you and your clients, and especially for your business and your employees. Remember, this show gets its direction from you, the listener. If you know someone I should have as a guest on the show, or you have a topic that you'd love for me to cover, please let me know or send your questions to ian.altman at growmyrevenue.com. Have an amazing week, add value to the people you're in contact with, and grow revenue in a way everyone can embrace, even your customer. Thank you for joining us each week for the Grow My Revenue Business Cast with Ian Altman. Unconventional strategies for selling, innovation, and leadership. Be sure to subscribe to our program on iTunes or Stitcher. Don't miss Ian's weekly newsletter and be a part of the conversation on growmyrevenue.com and via Twitter at growmyrevenue. Thank you.